Fiona Gillen, you're an Irish Jesuit. You are the Delegate for Spirituality. What's your exact title? It's the Delegate for Spirituality and also the Director of Ignatian Formation. They're linked, but they are a little bit separate at the same time. Yes. And as part of that, uh, I know you were in Binos in Wales. That's the, the Jesuit Spirituality Centre in Wales. And you spent a very interesting few days there in March looking at the whole topic of spiritual conversation, a, a sort of a seminar organised there. Obviously, it was a very rich conference. The papers will be published in the Way Journal, published by the, the British province, if anybody's interested. But we're just going to look at how it impacted on you and maybe some key takeaways for people who don't know much about spiritual conversation, which would include myself. So I'll ask the questions. <laughs> Let's begin a rough idea of what we're talking about when we talk about spiritual conversation. Most people know about ordinary conversation, but spiritual yes, conversation, yes. what's that? Well, it's a good question because it was addressed. In fact, um, Nick Austin was the keynote speaker at the beginning and he says, you know, you think that you would define what you mean by spiritual conversation at the start. He said, but I think that's a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> so he didn't actually do that. But spiritual conversation has to be put in the context of Ignatius's way of going about helping people to discover God in their lives. For him, that, that was so key because that's what we're about. He says it in the principle of foundation. A person is created to praise and serve Almighty God. So you see, it's very key in his vision of the human person. And one of the main speakers, Patrick Goujon, really linked the mission of Ignatius, his sense of mission that has been sent with a purpose in the world to do something to help people. He links spiritual conversation with that mission, which is ultimately about helping people to discover God in their lives, their ultimate good. So spiritual conversation is a way of entering into a person's world, their experience, with great respect, listening, with sensitivity, understanding, and not without some skill, and then waiting for what Nick Austin said is the kind of turn in the conversation which can open the way to make it a really a spiritual conversation, to, to bring the person towards somehow towards this reality of, of God. And Ignatius was, was very keen on that. You might like to hear a quote because he has a, um, in his autobiography, he speaks about a rich Spanish man that he came across and they had a conversation. He invited him to a meal, which is not unusual for Ignatius. He must have been a charming person <laughs> that they were inviting him. And uh, it says in his autobiography, speaking in the third person, he's speaking about himself. When he had a meal with people, he would never speak at table unless it was to reply briefly. But he would listen to what was being said and pick up a few things from which he might take the opportunity to speak about God. Just to be clear for people, this is Ignatius. He's the he there. Yeah, is that right? Yeah. So right. he's saying he yeah. would go to that meal and he would just listen, yeah. but listen with an ear for an opportunity. Yes. Yes. Obviously, it wasn't just a chat, but it wasn't either contrived. No. You know, there was something very real. He was an evangelizer. He was a person who was interested in the integral good of the person that was uh, had invited him to a meal or whoever that person was. But you can see it in many of his letters. And this is what uh, Patrick Goujon explored. He likes to take, he took the letters of St. Ignatius, where you see the same attitude that he's trying to inculcate in the early companions in their mission. It's kind of a missionary style or an accent that it's about entering into the world of the other 
not from on high. It's not preaching. It's not teaching. It's not coming in in that kind of dominant way, but very discreetly, humbly being present where the people are quietly, but also watching for those opportunities where you might be able to open up an avenue uh, that could be even more enriching for that person. If that avenue is not opened up, then he doesn't go down that avenue. So it's highly respectful. I like an image myself to kind of describe this as fly fishing, because I think it describes a little bit of something that's actually very important for our time. And it is an Ignatian way of going about spiritual conversation or or going about evangelization or helping people discover the importance of God in their lives. It's different to throwing in the net, which could kind of frighten off the fish, you see, because it's kind of from on high and it's rough. Whereas the fly fishing is, it's almost imperceptible. You can hardly see the line. You're in the water, though. You're present, very present. And the bait is there and it plays with the current and with the wind. And then when the fish is ready, the bait is there. I call the bait kind of the gospel, the attractiveness of the gospel. When the fish is ready, it takes the bait and you're ready then to haul it in. So I think that image helps me to yeah, understand how Ignatius went about his mission. And I think uh, it's important that you've said there that Ignatius always stressed that you took people where they were at. Like it wasn't that you went in thinking, I couldn't care less what they're really talking about, but when they tell me something that I can get in there, I'll do it. You know, it was a genuine listening, being with them. But if that opportunity arose, that you didn't let it pass because that was the deepest good for that person. He believed that they would find where God was working in their lives. Exactly. You know, the famous Ignatian phrase, you go in their door, but you come out your own. <laughs> but of course, coming out your own is not, a, you know, it's not all about me. It's about God's good intentions and purpose for that person. So Ignatius was a mystic. He understood that God was operating in the world and in each human person for their good, for their ultimate good, for their complete good. You know, we can have a partial good, you know, uh, just... It's good to sit around a table and have a nice meal and some wine. And, you know, we all do that all the time. But there is a deeper, more ultimate, fuller good that Ignatius was very conscious of being the man he was. He was a a saint, you know, so he got that. And he was trying to help people to discover that way himself. So the listening you said there, you described it open, inviting, attentive to the other, not about your own agenda, Humility, also important. Ignatius was very clear about his own stance and being humble, that's for sure. Well, now you've opened up a very interesting avenue here around humility because it was a central theme of another conference I was at, which was on the formula of the Institute in Rome. There is no question that it was it was a very prominent virtue for the early companions um, that they were even the founding of the society itself, humility was at the heart of it. They were very keen in the first deliberations, you know, whether they would become a religious order, they called it the deliberations of the first fathers. It took months. You know, they were gung-ho, they were young, and they wanted to get out on the mission, you know, to travel. But in fact, they saw the supreme importance of discerning well what God wanted, not just what we wanted. So there's humility already. And all that led them ultimately to Rome, to the Pope, to offer themselves for any mission anywhere among the infidels, among Christians or non-believers, anybody, anywhere. So it was a total giving 
over of their own agenda. So they, they were handing over to the Pope. And that's why we have the fourth vow. The fourth vow was almost a protection of humility. It was to, so that they could be guaranteed almost that this was the work of the Spirit, work of God, not their own bright idea or their own agenda. And uh, they were very afraid that that would be the case because, you know, it's very easy to become proud. They were noble men. Many of them, you know, they came from wealthy backgrounds, successful people. And you'll see it also in the constitutions and in the formula of the Institute. This promise to work with children and unlettered persons. This was because when they were highly educated people, that they would keep their two feet on the ground and remain humble. This is very important virtue in, in the society. And a very important part of spiritual conversation, therefore. Exactly. Um, just this total respect for where God is working in that other person. It's not about me. It's about trying to, like the fisher, you know, the, the, the line fishing. It's kind of to see where the person is being drawn, where they're being led already, and how you can help that process of growth and development. So it is a humble presence. It's not a, an imposing presence, not at all, which I think is very liberating because in this day and age, we have different camps, particularly in the Catholic Church and in Christian churches. You know, you've got the very traditionalists and the conservatives who want to impose sort of thing. This is the truth and you've got to take it. You know, Jesus is your Savior, Jesus is your Lord, and you've got to accept it. Whereas I think Ignatius' approach is God is already working in these people. In the secular world and in their lives, you see, there is so much richness already of God's presence there. Now, you want to bring that forward also. He's very interested in growth and development. And so you're humble in that you're not coming in to impose anything, but really to listen. And then another aspect of spiritual conversation that was brought out in the conference in St. Bino's, and this was really brought out by Nick Austin, and it's the whole area of speaking. Yeah. You don't just listen. Yeah. <laughs> there is a moment to speak. And to speak, he used the word parousia, you know, which is to speak one's own truth with conviction. It's not kind of uh, boldly, maybe, is the translation, you know, but you're not shy about speaking about what is your truth when the moment is right. Because that could be a fault. You know, you might say, well, I'm always listening, but I'm never really speaking. I don't speak about the deeper things, the things that really matter, uh, the fact that God is real and that he's active. And, and so speaking is also an important part of spiritual conversation. <laughs> 